Buongiorno and welcome to the Marway Thinking Podcast, or more what for short, hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the Man Cave every week. Hope you're all doing well out there. Things are getting, we're coming out the other side of lockdown now. The weather is absolutely atrocious, but at least we can go indoors for a meal or a pint. Yay! So you've got to take the positives with negatives, people. Positives and negatives. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the weather last this time last year. It was beautiful. But anyway... Now, today I'm speaking to the Brit Adam Doherty. Now, Adam, uh, you may have heard of him before, you may not. He did um, a YouTube video uh, where he made, he's a sculptor, a creative, where he made um, a, a very well-known character in America, not so much over here, called Grunkle Stan. And I was fascinated when I watched the video. It went viral on YouTube. Just his dedication, his patience... Uh, just his ability. He's just a genius, this guy. Uh, I wanted to get him on. He came on. Woo! Uh, he's worked on films like Jurassic Park. Uh, it's Jurassic Park, World. Jurassic... I don't know. I get lost. <sighs> One of them. Independence Day. Things like that. Massive. But he taught... What's interesting in this chat is he talks how just because they're big projects doesn't mean he gets to create what he wants or fulfills him so ultimately he doesn't want to do that even though these are big fancy budgets he wants to do what he wants to do um, and I thought that was fascinating but anyway I had a lovely chat with him so make sure you keep listening remember if you want to uh, get in touch we're at Mawat Podcast on Instagram I'm trying to think that uh, and if you just put more way of thinking podcast on YouTube uh or Twitter, or Spotify, or iTunes, any of them, we come up. Remember, more we're thinking is all about us, amazing human beings that all have a story to tell, and those stories can vary massively. But with the guests I'll be interviewing, you'll always be able to take a little bit of advice or insight into how extraordinary we can all be. Remember, four rules. One, no bullshitting. Two, no judging. Three, no negativity. And four, have fun. Remember this previous episodes, which are just fantastic. Uh, we had Mental Health Week last week I'm losing track but I also did three shows back to back uh, with some specialists I listened back to that I also talked to um, Ira Israel it was fantastic about mindfulness uh, there was one with Joan Bosiak who was one of the biggest fraudsters in America so lo- everything you can think of if you are interesting I will get you on I will find you now let's get on with the chat today this is me speaking to the brilliant Adam so welcome to More We're Thinking, and I have a very special guest on today. It is one the the no other than Adam Doherty. <laughs> How are you, Adam? You're right. Ah, uh, yeah. Good. Welcome. Thanks Col- for having me on. No problem at all, Colorado. Colorado. Wow. Well, it's it's funny you say Colorado. I've had lots of different people on f- um, from all over the world, but America, but no one from Colorado yet. <laughs> A lot. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people from Colorado. I don't think a lot of people stay in Colorado. What do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's you know, it's the Midwest. A lot of people want to move to LA or New York or more exciting places. But um, it's kind of getting it's getting popular again. A lot of people are moving here. The grass yeah. is always greener, ain't it, Adam? Yeah, right. I know. I mean, I left. I left here because I was like, ah, Colorado. Tired yeah. of mountains and trees and. I wanted LA, and then you know, it's nice for a while, but it's uh, it's really great to be back. Yeah, out of the city. I've had a couple of people from LA and California, and it's not 
as good as it's cracked up to be, maybe for a holiday, but to live there, it's quite shocking some of the the state of it in, in certain areas, isn't it? Yeah, it's getting worse too. Since COVID, it, it's just been horrendous. It's a shame. It's a shame. Um, but also, of course, you're there and you're paying a premium because tax is through the roof. Obviously, oh, yeah. house prices are through the roof. And then yeah. you've got, and then you open your door and you've got someone homeless sleeping outside. That's funny. That was an issue I had for a while there. <laughs> What's in it? In front of my door in my stairwell. Yeah. And then they moved to the back stairwell. And uh, they had like a little tent set up and everything. It was crazy. Oh, it's, it's, it, it's, it's sad, isn't it? It's sad because it's not, you don't know what their journey is, but you think, well, what are the, what are the government doing about this? What, what you know, how are they? Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. How's your day been? All right. Good, yeah. Sunday here, Sunday morning. Sunday waking morning. waking up. Nice well, day to work. I've been doing some work in the garden today. The weather in the UK, it's been snowing and it's been sunny. I've been digging a hole for posts for a fence and it's an absolute bloody nightmare because <laughs> every time you dig in, you hit some big slabs and I'm absolutely... Yes. So I poured myself a nice beer, Budweiser. Yeah. See, because you're in America, I thought I'd have a bud. That <laughs> <laughs> <It> works. <laughs> well, look, Adam, it's great to have you on here. We're going to talk a lot more about y- yourself and growing up and how you got to where you are. But first of all, I wanted to just touch on a few. I always like to touch on a few facts that I've spotted on Google about people's hometowns or where they are at the minute. And there was a few that I spotted about Colorado because it is one of those places where everybody knows about everybody knows Colorado, but what do they really know? No one's really been there on holiday, maybe. Um, and I've always been interested because I heard this a while ago about the ghost towns um, because apparently it's got the most. Let me read this here. It says Colorado has an extensive history with the gold rush because obviously it's big. It's well known for that, yeah. um, and you can see a lot of the remnants of the towns when the prospectors came up, uh, which has caused a lot of settlements and small towns that have died out, now leave around 500 ghost, ghost towns in, in Colorado. Is that, is that something that, have you been out to with some of them and have you seen a lot of them? I feel like I've probably been to a few in like middle school or like elementary school for like field trips, but I haven't been to one in a long time. But uh, <laughs> a lot of it's just a lot of rusty equipment sitting out in a big dirt. <laughs> area next to a cliff you know there's um i can't remember what it's called there's a youtube guy and he's bought a town a ghost town i saw that guy yeah it's crazy and he's trying to do it it. up yeah he just finds bottles and and old denim everywhere and stuff that's great yeah and he's crazy and he's trying to build it rebuild it all and um i saw one episode where one of the major the major um buildings burnt down and he was crying and it was like he's trying to do it all on his own it's it's, like he built it up and then it burnt down yeah he built it up um and then there was a fire because the problem is you go to one of these derelict towns you've got to get electricity and you've got to get water and it's not like the old the olden days (laughs) you know what i mean so um but yeah, it's fascinating. I'll have to put I'll put that in the show notes actually. So that that was one that interests me. This is another one which I didn't realise, which is pretty pretty silly fat. But apparently 
the cheeseburger was invented in Colorado. A man by the name of Lewis Ballast is said to have invented the cheeseburger in his restaurant called Humpty Dumpty Drive-In. Humpty Dumpty? Oh, I've never even heard of that. In 1935. Um, So, yeah. He attempted to trademark the term cheeseburger, but it didn't do him too much good. Uh, unfortunately for him, the trend kicked off and diners across the US started selling their own variations. So there you go. Next time someone asks you for an interesting fact. Yeah. 39, <laughs> that's a lot later than I would have thought. Yeah. Um, another thing that I spoke about Colorado is the, is the weather, the extreme weather. Have you, what's, how, what's it like? Is it as bad as they make out where you've got twisters and things like that? Uh, there's no twisters where I'm at. I mean, that's like way out in the fields. And that's, I mean, I've never had any issue as far as a twister. We just had this giant snowstorm though. Yeah. We kept building up this huge sto- snowstorm's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then it was late and everyone was like, what are you talking about? And then it finally hit and it was... It was less than three feet, I think, but it was still quite a bit. I mean, yeah. it was like we had to dig ourselves out. But what's nice in, in Colorado is it's like a huge snowstorm like that, but then the next day it's 60 degrees out and sunny. Yeah. So it, it only lasts a few days and then it melts away pretty quickly and back to normal. So Yeah, it's not- so, yeah so you recover because you see some places where they have snowfall, heavy snowfall, and they struggle for weeks and weeks to try and combat it. Um, yeah, well, yeah, it's because you, know, you got... You know, you got movies like The Shining and Misery where it's like, it's about people getting snowed in in Colorado. But, eh, I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> uh, and then the final one, which I thought I'd bring up because obviously you're a sculptor and creative, is parts of Colorado State Capitol Building in Denver have made up of a material known nowhere else in the world. Uh, in 1893, in a town of Bula. Bela, I think it's called, Colorado, an incredibly rare deposit of uh, marble like stone was discovered. It's rich pink um, and it's a fascinating marble and was promptly snapped up by builders builders working in the capital. And the the entire stone is used in construction of the building, uh, all the way from the bases, the stairwells, uh, and it's a small amount of stone that's been kept in reserve to make um, to make repairs and things like that. And it's the only place found in Colorado. Bellu, Bellu is it? It's called B E U L A H, and it's the only one in the world. Did you know? That? No, I mean I've been to the capital. I've seen the pink marble. I didn't know that was like a, a special thing. I did just find out. I don't know if it's true or not. Someone told me that there's a town called Marble where there was a huge white marble deposit discovered here yeah. in Colorado. And actually that's where the marble came from that was used in the Lincoln Memorial. I never Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it's one of those places then that there's always things to be found. Um, I suppose because there was a lot of mining there, wasn't there? Um, in the, in the, in yeah, the mining and history. I think it's really interesting. I, I, um, on my drive now from where I live to the shop I'm working at, I pass by um, the Lakeside Amusement Park, which is this amusement park that's been there forever. You know, we used to go in high school and it's kind of like the shady, rickety, like wood um, um, roller coaster and stuff, right? And it's kind of like garbage food. But actually, I didn't know this, that the Lakeside Amusement Park, like before the roller coaster was added, there's this huge like steeple kind of thing. And um, this amusement park was actually built in like, 
the mid 1800s and it's the first amusement park built in the west wow um, yeah. so i drive by that every day and it's all like boarded up and i mean it's it's been shut down because of covid and it's just like totally fried and it needs someone to buy it and restore it really badly but it's a it's a really cool place yeah it's surprising where we live we we tend to just get on with things and don't really take much notice of the history but when you do it's quite fascinating isn't it where, where yeah i was like found that out and i was looking it up and there's photos of the steeple with like horses and little buggies and people all kind of going to it to like throw yeah. balls at bottles and stuff it's cool kind of really neat to think about cool now everywhere around it it's terrible yeah cool the old wooden roller coasters we've got one here in britain i went in it Jesus Christ, I thought my balls were going to come out of my mouth. So rickety. And they're like, oh, you, you, will, you, you love a wooden roller coaster. It's, you know, it's the real thing. I'm like, no, give me a nice smooth metal one, thank you. <laughs> well, look, thanks ever so much for coming on, Adam. Give people a little bit of background uh, into how we sort of connected was that I saw uh, a couple of YouTube videos of yourself. The main one with Grunkle Stan, which just, you know, I love stuff like that. There's another guy on YouTube that I watch. Not that I'm a, I am a creative in it, in that I'm a filmmaker, a bit like yourself. Um, but it fascinates me uh, painting and sculpting and things like that and the dedication it takes and that's how I spotted it and then your video came up again recently and I thought oh I'll contact him and luckily you, you said you'd come on um, just tell us a little bit about growing up and where that that seed came from Adam is that something that you knew straight away or was it something that you found out later on after school um, I mean I knew it pretty straight away I mean I started I started painting model kits and stuff with my dad um yeah. you know like eight and nine years old he was showing me that stuff he was a very um you know he was uh, he worked on cars he restored old cars so he was always in the garage always making things always working with tools and paints and stuff and then um so you know he would have me help on the cars and sand and you know mix bondo up and stuff and hand him tools and then we started painting model kits together. You know, he showed me his old Aurora kits and, and, and I'd get them for Christmas and he'd show me how to glue them together and paint them. Um, and it's just what I love doing. I love sitting at a desk and, and working with tools and stuff, which, which then eventually evolved to like doing model conventions and stuff. You know, I'd go to the conventions and buy the garage kits, you know, cause I wanted more than just what the little styrene figures had. So, that would be like me and the dad uh, doing road trips to uh, resin garage kit, um, you know, like shows and stuff like that. And I'd buy things up and paint them. And then I'd enter in them in contests and stuff and the, like the kids competitions on painting. Um, and then when I was 12 um, at those conventions and some friends, um, it, it kind of evolved into try sculpting your own things, right? Like, oh, here's some clay. Here's how you do it. Um, and then from there, it just, you know, that's when I found out that I just loved sculpting. So that was at 12. And that's all I wanted to do. As soon as I found that out, that's all I wanted to do. So I would do that every day, every weekend. 
after school and stuff. And then, um, and then just naturally, I, I, I think I found out that I was just pretty decent at it. You know, I was really good at, I, I started by just copying, you know, doing my favorite monsters. So I do the creature, I do Frankenstein and I try to make it look as close as you could to the photos. Right. So it's like a fun little game. And then, uh, and then at 15, I started getting hired by companies like the, the garage kit companies and the guys at those conventions to start sculpting stuff for them to sell and produce into resin kits them their own, um, for their own companies. Um, so then it just, it started just naturally progressing into a job that I was making money at. And my parents pretty quickly saw that that's like, like that's your thing now. Yeah. So, um, I think when I was 18 is when they were in, like, you know, my grades were doing really terrible because I just was sculpting all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and they encouraged me because they saw like, oh, this is your thing um, to drop out of school because they, they already saw that it wasn't doing anything at all for me. You know, they're like, all right, just get your GED, which is like, you know, the little, just the basic, I graduated high school diploma that you can just get, you know, over a weekend. So I, I dropped out in 11th grade and got that and then just sculpted the whole time until I was uh, 21 where I finally decided to up, up the game and try to make it a full-time career out in LA and learn how to do like big sculpting, not just little figurines and stuff. Yeah. It's interesting what you say there because I talk to a lot of people on, on the show and, and, and it, it, everybody's path's different. Everything's, you know, some paths are right for some people. Education is right for some people, but not everyone. And a lot of people will come on and say, you, you could go university, college, but a lot of people do that and they're not sure where they're going after that. Um, yeah. it, sometimes it, it, if you are into something, especially, and, and you're lucky, lucky enough to find something straight away, I suppose, which is quite nice, because that's your your journey straight away. Whereas with some people, they're not sure. A lot of kids, sort of 16, yeah. 17, you get someone come up to them and say, oh, you know, the mum or dad or careers officer will say, what do you want to be? And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what I want to be. You know, some people do like yourself, but a lot don't. And it's knowing, you know, do you stay in education or is it better to learn on the job? I mean, we talk about, I talk about filmmaking quite a lot. And you, yeah, you can go film school, but it's actually the practicality of doing yeah. it, isn't it? The experience. You can't beat that, can you? Yeah, I know. It's a tricky subject because, I mean, I, mean I, I, I come from that, like you said, the area where I was lucky enough to find this thing when I was, when I was super young and I knew what I wanted to do and my parents knew that I, I could figure that out. But like, I'm such an anti-school guy. <laughs> and I, cause I, I see how it's just trying new things and, and picking things up and talking to people. And I just see schools as, is they're just trying to feed off of those kids who don't know what they want to do. And they go, well, we can show you, give us a ton of money <laughs> and pay us off. And we'll basically just introduce you to new things and get you talking to people that you could easily do on your own if you're just if you're just open enough to explore new things. I mean, I I was exploring new things. Granted, when I was you know ten years old, but um, I think I think a lot of people just don't 
get to try stuff out or are scared mm -hmm. to or think they need to go to school to learn this stuff. So, I mean, I try to encourage people to not do school as much as I can. Yeah. And that's, but then again, you know, I'm, I'm starting a Patreon where I'm asking people to give me money so I could show them stuff. So yeah, it's I'm right there with them, but you know, it, it's a tricky one. Don't get me wrong. It, you know, if it's right, it's right for some kids. Don't get me wrong. You know, if it's right for them and it works for them, great. But I think a lot of pressure on some young children is to do so well at school and have such a good education. And I think there's something missing out of the system. Sounds like it's the same in the US where there's no sort of in between where there's someone saying, look, if you don't want to get into education, you can try this or we can try that. Because not everyone responds to sitting in a classroom. Like yourself, you respond to doing and making and seeing what's evolving. Whereas in a classroom, sometimes you're sitting there and you're just, you know, you're reading text and you're like, well, what, where am I going with this? What is it actually? And I think the other thing is you get naughty kids that are not naughty. They just don't want to sit there and yeah. listen to stuff. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I know it's a tricky subject because then I also don't, I don't want to like offend people who are like <laughs> teachers or who are like really into school and stuff. But I mean, for me, I just was talking to people. I would message my favorite sculptors and be like, what's this material you're using? I saw you post this photo. What's that tool? Where do I get that? And 90% of the time they're like, oh, you know, they're very generous with what they know. They'll tell you. And then you have to do the work on figuring out how to, you know, do it. But, um, you know, I feel like schools are just charging a ridiculous amount for just the most simple oh, basic yeah. information. I mean, one of the reasons I'm, I'm starting a thing where I'm, you know, just saying, if you, know, if you can give me $4 a month, I'll be totally open and you can message me and we could talk about your projects and I can help you along the way just because I get so many people emailing me asking this stuff. And I don't have the time of day to keep on responding and be like, oh yeah, well, here's the list of clays I recommend. Okay, you, you got the clay, cool. I can't describe to you exactly how to make a mold or what kind of mold you need for this process. And it's just, it's so much work. Yeah. Where, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's almost like it's weird little side job is just talking to people about who, who want to learn how to do this stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and you I don't want to say, oh, go to this school. It's going to be 20 grand for six yeah. months. And then you, you, and also, if you think about it, imagine if your parents hadn't have said, we want to support you. Imagine if they'd have said, no, you've got to get an education, which can happen a lot of the time as well. So then you lose yeah. all those years and you get, and you find this a lot where you're in your thirties and you go, I wish I'd have got into this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so in, in some ways, you know, your, your parents are key, aren't they to it for a lot of people? I think so too. And I think it's important for parents because a lot of, you know, I, that's why I was kind of surprised because I've older, you know, my parents were quite a bit older, um, that they were open to that mindset of you don't need education. You know, I mean, my dad, you know, was like the story, the, 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 the story of a poor family. And he put himself through a, an amazing college and got this awesome job doing this amazing career and um, computer technology and stuff. And, uh, you know, he, he, there, you know, he knew that I found my thing, but he, he kind of struggled with it in the beginning there, you know, he'd get really angry that I wanted to sit in my room 
mm. instead of go out and mow the lawn and like do housework and like get out and do stuff. But so that there was like, I could, I could always tell that there was that side of, he knew that I found my thing, but it was still kind of hard to wrap your head around for someone yeah. who's not super artistic that sitting in your room, having movies on the whole time, drinking cases of Mountain Dew, and <laughs> play yeah. is a career in its own, you know? And that's the equivalent of being outside, mowing the lawn, doing physical labor work, yeah. you know? At least you weren't an iPad. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. No, it was before that. But he, he came, he, 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 he found it, you know? He, he, he knew that I found my thing and he accepted it after a while. But there was a lot of times there when I was, we were, we were button heads a lot. Mm, yeah. Can we, imagine. You know, he wasn't seeing that, that I knew what I was doing and it was going somewhere. Yeah. And, I can imagine that. Yeah. And, and he passed away um, when I was 20, when I was still in the, in the bedroom, in the basement, yeah. making stuff. you know, I was doing stuff for legit companies, but, um, you know, right after he passed away, that's when I was like, all right, it's, 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 I got to do this as a career now. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, that's when I made the decision to move to LA. That's where he and my uh, mom grew up, you know, they, 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 their, their lives were started in LA. So I thought it was important to go there and then try to find that career and just kind of prove to myself that that was all worth doing. Um, yeah and that i can make a living doing this you know what um so tell us a bit about that then adam so you've been you've been doing this you've obviously obsessed by it you, you must you're getting good at it and then you want to make a career out of it so what is it about the leap to la over there because we know about la as in films and, and, and hollywood and acting and all that kind of thing is it the same thing for sculpting and special effects and things like that is it the fact that that's where the action is. Is that why you move there? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, LA is, you know, you're, you're, just as a kid, you got Stan Winston, you got Rick Baker, you got those, those dream shops, you know, doing yeah. the most amazing stuff in the world. And you, you know, not in a million years would you think you could do something like that and see those things. I mean, you watch those behind the scenes videos of oh, them sculpting that T-Rex and how they have to like, lift the ceiling of the building up because it's too tall it wouldn't fit you know it's just the coolest thing it's i mean it's still mind-blowing looking at those books and seeing what they were doing oh um so it was just like i could i i gotta try to figure out how to do that you know and um and i i, I felt like i could do that i felt like i i was pretty I and mean, i was pretty confident in my work granted it was all small scale stuff and when i moved out here that's actually what some of the shops were saying, cause I just, I had my printed portfolio and luckily I made some friends through the, 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 the conventions that I would go to the monster conventions and the resin garage conventions. I made friends in LA who knew the shop owners who knew KMB and who knew studio ADI and, and stuff. So when I got there, they were, you know, I, I had, a lot of people who supported me and were kind enough to be, um, you know, to give me time to go, Oh yeah. When you fly out here, you know, we'll take you to the shop. We'll introduce you. We'll give you a tour and you can show your book to them, you know, and most shops are pretty open to have people come and show their portfolio and, and take a look at what it year, what year was this Adam when you went out there? 
I was 21, so that was 2001, I think, yeah. Because it goes, it almost goes through stages, doesn't it? Obviously, filmmaking and special effects and animation and things like that. Was it, was it a good top, was it a good year to get, get into it or were things changing? Well, that math run, it's 2011. Oh, right, right. <laughs> right. I was like, wait a minute. Pretty sure that's, it's too early to be doing math. <laughs> I was 21. However long I, I'm 30 now, whenever yeah. that was. So two, th- yeah, I know. It's easy done, isn't it, mate? I'll do, I'll do exactly the same thing. We're 20. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. But, but what I'm getting at is, Adam, because times are changing, especially in the movie industry with CGI, special effects, things like that now, um, I suppose there was a golden era when you look back. Um, like the Muppets and things like that. And you said Rick yeah. Baker, but that happens all the time, doesn't it? It's always evolving. Was it a good, was it a good year for you to get out there in 2011? Oh, I think it was perfect. And I still think it's, 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 it's rocking there as far as work and stuff coming in. I mean, now there's shops everywhere working on Mandalorian stuff and yeah. Obi-Wan stuff. And I don't know what else there is. I think I think what happened was everyone was talking CGI, yeah, yeah, you know, CGI and this and that. And we've almost gone full circle to come back to appreciate animation and things like that a lot more. Same with, I mean, you can see in here, I'll collect stuff. Um, yeah. Same with like records, uh, things like that. People want vinyl back now. There's a lot more of an appreciation because technology is so easy to just pick up and throw down. Yeah. People appreciate craft and hard work do you find that yeah it's definitely coming back i mean i mean it's 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 this whole wave of of 80s 90s kids who are now running the show right so it's coming back and and i i think there's a peak um or there's like a spike in practical effects coming back and stuff too but also it's a it's a it's coming back but it's also a regurgitation of the same crap it's all Jurassic Parks. It's all, you know, just 80s, 90s stuff re- repeating itself as, a, as opposed to the groundbreaking stuff that was Jurassic Park or that was, you know, the stuff that was being done then. Um, so there's, I think there, there's like, there's something as like, like that was one of the reasons why I left LA is that, um, I love doing this stuff, but I don't want to just do the another Jurassic Park, another Star Wars spinoff, you know, like that's cool. And that's what us as adults want to do because we wanted to do that as kids, right? But we're not groundbreaking. Like there's nothing groundbreaking going on at all. It's all the same crap. And I think it's, I, I'm not a fan of it anymore. Yeah. I don't want any more Star Wars. I don't want any Jurassic Park. I don't want to work on that stuff. It's fun when you're doing it, but it's not, you're, you're just, it's, there's no originality going on there. I mean, it's, it's, you're just recreating what's been done by the greats, you know, back then. And I don't see any, anybody doing like stuff I've never seen before. I mean, I, I, I love what Jim Henson did and I love the labyrinth and I love dark crystal and stuff. Oh and God, like, yeah. That dark crystal television show I thought was lacking so much stuff. I mean, I know people did a lot of work and the stuff is beautiful, but 
you can't have a Jim Henson project when Jim Henson's not around. It's not yeah. the same. Yeah. There's something totally missing with, with repeating something with a billion dollars behind it versus doing something new and groundbreaking. Yeah, no, people are like, what are you doing? This is stupid. This is crazy, right? Yeah. Like a movie with no people is just puppets. That's a terrible idea. You know, yeah. and and I and I have these ideas that I want to do that I think are um, original and new and creative and stuff that I just want to get out there. So that's part of the reason is like in Colorado, I can it's a little bit more affordable. I have a shop space. You know, I'm not working with people in L.A. who like have to pay their rent and they have to do these jobs. You know, people can. Um, can help me with, with my projects and stuff and kind of try to bring something new to the table. But, um, I mean, I loved working on it and it was great to do, you know, and anybody who's into special effects, I think should experience that and work for a shop and, um, you know, work on a big budget movie and, and kind of learn how it is, but it is, you know, you are working underneath someone. So you're not having full creative freedom. Someone's telling you what to do. Someone's telling you how to sculpt something, how they will, how someone else wants it to look, whether that's the boss of the shop or that's the director themselves or the producers or something, you know, nothing's a hundred percent yours. And it's, and it's to the point now to where I'm, I'm realizing like, all right, I want to, I want to express myself and my own work and my own ideas and find out what's a hundred percent me. Um, like art wise, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, I, t- I totally understand that. I understand because it's like when you see um, the Muppet, we talk about the Muppets and Ardman and things like that. When they first started and you watch the making of videos and how they worked, it was nothing to do with money. It was all to do with being creative, having a vision and putting everything into it. Um, yeah. Whereas now, especially on some of the Hollywood movies, it's just turning those wheels, isn't it? And I think, yeah. you know, it can be quite frustrating for some people if, if you just want to push that passion and that creativity because ultimately Hollywood and, and film is a business, isn't it? And you're always yeah. going to have those yeah. people with the money above you saying, no, we don't want that, we don't want that. You only do this, you only do that. Whereas people like yourself, you just, you want to push your vision and live or die by it whether it goes right or wrong at least yeah. it's it's your craft so I, I, do, I do get that mate i do get it yeah california is definitely a machine and when you <laughs> go there to survive to afford to live in there you have to become a gear in that machine yeah you know? there are ways you could find a way to become a higher position of like telling people what to do and getting your vision out there made but I think, you know, instead of trying to climb the ladder there, I feel like I'm just going to be here and create something and then just hope, you know, like after that Grunkle thing, that was like, a, you know, I was unemployed. I was in LA. I was on unemployment trying to pay my rent because everything that was right when COVID hit hmm. um, as I was finishing it. So all the industry was laid. Everyone was laid off which is part of the job too, right? When you're working for the, the, the movie companies, you're only 
employed if there's movies going on yeah you know? and in between all that you know from one movie to another you're unemployed so you have to bounce around like crazy it's this yeah. huge super unsecure thing but during covid everything was shut down right we were all on unemployment and we were trying to pay rent which was going up in la as the t- as the whole city was like burning down it felt <laughs> like it was crazy right yeah <laughs> And then I finished Grunkle. I mean, that's, I was finally like, oh, okay, great. I can now, instead of every night and weekend punch hair on this stupid silicone hair, <laughs> I can do it all day and all night and all, you know, for weeks. So I just blasted that thing out. And then I just whipped up the video just because, I mean, that's how I document my stuff because yeah. I don't yeah. get to keep it. I only do one. I don't want just photos. I want like a video of the thing. It's like a fun little trying to learn how to film, make and edit. Right? I just do little videos. And then that thing just blew up. I mean, it just randomly got picked by YouTube to be like their homepage video or whatever. And uh, that was like a real, like, I mean, it was freaky at first because I've never had that many people looking at my work, but it was, it was a great moment of uh, realizing how important your own work is um, compared to something you do for a company. I mean, nothing I've ever done for a company is mine. I'm just a person working on it with a huge group of people, you know, and if anything, I get my name on that list of th- a thousand names at the yeah. end of a movie. Whether or not it gets cut or, you know, you even see it for a second in the movie. And seeing that reaction and that amount of people looking at something that's me and what I do. And, yeah. uh, like blew my mind and I was like, okay, this is the most important thing for me now. And, and it's, it's the most rewarding thing and people seem to respond to it better than, than me being a part of that machine is what I do. So that's when I made the decision. I was like, all right, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to move back. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of set roots here and figure out how to do me full time and put all my focus into only producing stuff that's, that's what I'm proud of and stuff that I want to do um, and like build my own, basically my own company kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, guess I, th- I think, I think what, what it, it did as well, it makes people appreciate um, what you're doing because some people will see a model at the end product and think, wow, that's great. Amazing. But they don't see the pain and the dedication that goes into it, like when you're putting the hair in, every single strand of hair in, at the time and the dedication. Yeah. And when you can make that into a nice little succinct video, people appreciate that a lot, a lot more. Do you know what I mean? They can see, yeah. see yeah. the process. Um, and yeah, if people haven't seen it, they need to. Now, what was it like uh, getting Alex Hirsch? Did, did you tell him about it? Was it a project for him or did you just say, I've made this and he came and had a look? What, what, how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, I've done, um, so I've done a few pieces for other people. I mean, it started by doing um, art shows. Hmm. I mean, people are like, how do you do, like, how do you, right? It's super easy to get these guys to see your stuff there's art shows and these art art shows have a theme to them. So like I, I heard about, or someone approaches me, Hey, there's an art show. It's this theme. It's at this location. These people are going to be there. So you go, okay, those people are going to be there, you know, just like at a convention, you know, or anything, 
you have to be the one that stands out in the crowd. A lot of people at conventions will just put their stuff on a table, you know, on a, on, with a black yeah. cloth on it. And, and there's 40 other people in a row that all look the same. What I do is I pull the table out, I set up a background, I stick lights in there, I have a boombox playing music, and I have a theme, and like I want you to step in, in, into an environment when you walk into this booth of jungle, and like yeah. there's mist blowing on your face, and then there's my sculpture, and then there's a crate that's open with a bunch of keychains for sale, right? It's, it's um, that comes from my mom, who, is like the most creative person ever. And uh, we used to do this thing when I was like, I don't know, I think it was like second or third grade or something. And it was called trunk or treat, where it was, <laughs> the kids would go trick or treating, but they would, um, the, the parents would open up their trunks and decorate the trunk of the car to be like a scene and have like a bowl of candy, right? And the kids would go trick or treat to every car in the parking lot instead of like going in the shady neighborhoods or something, right? Um, and my mom would go all out and like, it'd be like a spooky diorama with like my dad in a giant troll suit handing out candy, pretending to be a dummy. And then that eventually evolved into, we'd have these, we, we'd throw these Halloween parties and we'd have the whole house. I mean, it was like, you know, I grew up in a middle-class house. So it was like a nice two-story, you know. Yeah. Um, and we'd do the whole house haunted mansion with, we, you know, my dad would be boarding up the windows. Yeah. And every room would be themed. There'd be the creature from the Black Lagoon in the bathtub. And there'd be the killer clown from outer space, you know, basement room and the mummy's tomb. And the whole house was decorated. And then they would have it open up to the whole neighborhood and the neighborhood would walk through our house and just see these cool things. Right. Yeah. And like eventually the, the police would cone off the streets cause there were so many people coming in and the news stations would show up and then we would rent. They rented a hearse, <laughs> right. And it just yeah. turned into this huge thing. We did it like three years in a row. Wow. You know, when I was like 10 or 11 doing this and it was like the most fun thing. So all year we would be setting up the house and then have that one night where we'd have this huge party where everyone would come in. And um, that sounds great. That really, that was, that was, I think that was the start of when you are in a crowd of people and you're trying to be an individual. Yeah. The most important thing is how do you get someone's attention? You know, if you have a table of two inch sculptures that you spend a bunch of time on that are amazing, but you're in a sea of people, no one's going to see that, right? So in every convention and, 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 and things like that, I do a huge grand giant thing and a diorama and music and lights and that draws the people in. And once they're there seeing what's going on, then they look at the tiny stuff that you've spent all this time doing. They look at the keychains, they look at the little figurines that you do. And for some reason, a lot of artists don't do that. A lot of them, I mean, I don't know if it's just too much work or if there's something just about the presentation that they're not, that they're like, uh, that's some, it's, I try to talk to people about how important that is to draw people yeah. to your, your stuff. I mean, um, and it's, it's, it's and creating, where, it's create, it's creating a theater, isn't it? It's creating an yeah. event. And I think that 
more than ever, especially after the pandemic, people will want more of an event. Um, it won't be about cost of things. It will be about the theatre. I, I mean, people say to me about cinema, where do you think cinemas? I think, it, I think cinema will keep going, but it will be a, a lot more of an event. Um, yeah. You won't just go to the cinema just to watch any yeah. old thing. People, but they won't mind spending the money but they want to have the experience. And that's the same yeah. with a lot of things, isn't it? And I think, uh, yeah, walking into an environment is the most important. It's just so much fun. I mean, I, I, I remember um, on one year for like this convention, Monster Palooza, which is like a big monster show. All these artists show their stuff off, right? And I did, I was going to thrift stores and finding furniture. And my theme was, all right, I'm going to do a 50s monster living room, like a mid-century living room and it's a zombie theme so i was like all right carpet furniture you know and then i was like the the china cabinet is where the sculptures are displayed on i have this giant monster statue here i got lights it's playing this music and then that translated i mean that's you know i do that for every single project because it's just so much fun to go to thrift stores to you know yeah you got a tiki theme. You're trying to find coconuts. You're grabbing freaking <laughs> giant palm tree leaves off the side of the freeway. Right? It's so much yeah. fun to do. Yeah. And then for these art shows, right? They'd be like, "All right, we're having an art show. The theme is like Guillermo del Toro's films. Pick a thing." So I go, "Okay. So how do you 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 do a giant sculpture? That's it's extremely impressive. You have a cool kind of scene going on." And then you go, all right, it's a Guillermo del Toro theme. Guillermo's known for showing up at things. I bet you he'll be there. So mm -hmm. how do I get Guillermo's attention, right? Man. And a lot of people go, oh, okay, you know, like a little tiny sculpture, this, that. I do this big, giant, sparkly thing. And I go, all right, I got to have a booth here. I got to have lights here. Talking to everybody like it's, a, it's like an ordeal and a pain in the butt to set it up. But, um, you know, that was for that show. Guillermo showed up just like I thought he would. I mean, I don't think I don't think they said he was going to, but I just was like, he's probably going to show yeah. up, right? And um, as soon as I came in there, he was in there talking to everybody, and he comes up and he goes, "Your piece was the first piece I bought." As soon as he walked in the door, wow, and I was yeah. like, "This is crazy." I knew, right? Because I, it's it's you're drawing people in. It's it's. Yeah. I don't. I I think that's something really important to think about is is the presentation and what you're doing. And um, I, I, I do think I, I try to, I mean, I go all out on my stuff, but I think just having a grand piece that's really like interesting to people um, is super important. But um, I mean, that's how I got started as far as working with these people. I mean, there was a show, uh, an art show at Cartoon Network and they go, okay, the theme is like just Cartoon Network kind of stuff. Um, and so I created this giant Mojo Jojo and then, um, you know, that got the eyes of these other people who were there who were like, oh, we love this. You know, I do this character. Is that something you could do? And I go, yeah, I can make that. And I make a thing for them. And then, um, you know, that gets seen by, you know, yeah. they put it in their office and then these other guys see it and they go, Ooh, I want, I want one of those things like of my character in my office. And they go, oh, yeah, it's this guy, you know? So it's, 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 it makes sense and it's not that hard. You know, if, if, yeah. if someone's an artist and they're trying to like figure out how to get 
someone's attention, it's pretty, uh, I think it's pretty easy to kind of like navigate yeah. around if you just kind of go, oh, okay, someone's going to be here at this time. There's this show with this theme. This guy will probably be there. How do I get that person? You've got to put the work in though at the end of the day. You can't expect people just to come to you. You've got to put the work in. Now, I was interested in what you were saying about the Hollywood um, and how that, you know, you come away from that. I mean, I was looking at some of the the jobs you'd worked on, like Annabelle, Norn, Jurassic World and things like that. Was it a case of when you went on to these projects, you Sort of. So, if I was going to work, you know, some of the like Annabelle, you go, "Oh, yeah, great." But then, when you get on it, you realise you're a team of thirty people, and all you're doing is making a door handle. Whereas a creative, you want to be in there, you want to be making the doll. Is that the sort of thing it went through, or did you actually get stuck into some of the real interesting stuff? I mean, it's you know, we're working under the shop. We're all friends. We're all making this. You know, we're all working to make this project come to life. You know, and it's not like one person is in charge of, you know, creating the doll, putting painting right. It's like this person's sculpting, and then he hands it to this person who molds it, who hands it to that person who paints it. Oh. Um, so, for those like like I got to paint some pieces. Um, there was like a scene in one of the Annabelles where like they're creating Annabelle. So it's like, it looks like he's making wood pieces. Yeah. Like, like carving Annabelle. And I got to paint those. So they look like wood, but I didn't sculpt any of that. Right. That's like Annabelle pieces. And I just yeah. make it look like raw wood. But, um, I, so mean, I suppose was... it's, it's because you've not got the full control of the thing. You're just yeah. a little cog in the wheel. Whereas yeah. you like, starting things completing things and being yeah. in charge of the whole yeah the i whole. mean if i could i would totally hire other people to like mold for me and oh, do hair do the shit jobs yeah. <laughs> i hate doing it but um it is really rewarding when you know something i do is 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 100 mine but i mean even grunkle you know like i hire someone who's way better at making eyes than i am because oh, yeah. that like a super important thing. I feel like I'm not hundred percent confident in my eye making or have enough time to do that. So I hire someone, they give me the eyes, I pop the eyes in, you know, I don't know how to do wiring. So I have someone do the wiring and electrical stuff. You know, even the little Bill Cipher, I hired someone who was better than I am at digital sculpting and worked with them on making the little bill, you know, and just kind of gave them my specifications and what I was looking for. And this is what I need. And then they do it. And I, I love involving other artists to get their creative juices going to all contribute into making one really awesome piece. Yeah. Um, and I do love overseeing that kind of stuff. I mean, that's really fun. And I see what those are. I mean, that's what the shop guys are doing, but they have, you know, 30, 40 people doing that for them. Yeah. Um, when you see, when you work on the big films, like Bright and It and things like that, is it quite, because there's so much money involved, is it quite, do you think this could be done on, do you, would you rather be involved in smaller projects? Is it because the project is so big that it's almost, you're losing, it's like you said, you're just a name on a roll of oh, a thousand credits because the money and the project is just so big and expanse, you almost lose any creative you're you're part of creativity in it do you think that's a part of it do you think 
Well, I think creative uh, creativity is, is is lost in a lot of these huge budget movies. I think that's. I mean, I love Star Wars. I love what they did, but I I think there's something missing when you see Star Wars and the original series versus yeah. the billion dollar Star Wars. There's just something like there's something off, and what it is is the creativity yeah. and the lack and and the lack of resources and trying to figure out how to make things work with not a huge amount of money. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I mean, it is, it, you know, it, it bums me. I mean, for Jurassic world, right. We spent months building this giant dead stegosaurus. Yeah. Seen the picture. Feet long, 25 feet tall. <laughs> we all worked so hard on that thing and we were so proud of it and it looked awesome. And then we went to Hawaii and we set it up in the jungle and it was the coolest thing ever. And then the movie comes out and we're all like, we're going to see our dinosaur. We're going to see our dinosaur. And then it's, it's not there. Oh, it's gone. And it gets cut. And then it's not <laughs> the, and then we're like, maybe it's just the deleted scene. We buy the, we, we all go buy the Blu-ray and we watch that and it's not in there either. Oh, it's, just, it's like it never happened. And we did all that work. And there's, the only thing to show for it is the photos we took and just the experience making it, which is such a shame. Yeah. And then you go, God, if I just had the money a studio spent making that thing, (laughs) my own original project, I can make something mind blowing. Yeah. You know, would be just the coolest thing ever. And, um, yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah, that that that's for, that's um, frustrating, and I do and I do understand it in some ways that I'm I'm a filmmaker back here in the UK, and and try you know what it's like. You're you're a filmmaker yourself as well, trying to get projects off the ground. And when you see the big, especially if you see a big blockbuster and it's crap, you think, well, hold on a second, I only yeah. want I only want your travel expenses, and I'll yeah. make a film twice as good with a lot more heart in it then you know so it it, 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 it can be frustrating at, at, at times for sure but yeah yeah and then that just bummed me out too because then you're like well then what's the point of me spending all this time creating something and getting emotionally invested in a project that that doesn't even matter enough to show up in a movie or the deleted scenes yeah or anything. And then you go well i just need to and then and then when something like grunkle gets lucky enough to be seen by that many people you go well obviously that's the, that's what i need to put my time into right yeah definitely I'm, I'm proud of that i know will get on the internet because i'm in charge of putting it on the internet yeah you know? definitely it'll only get views if i if i put the effort into it absolutely mate so future wise what obviously you've come back to colorado now you're going to be doing your projects a lot more yeah. i know you're directing aren't you and and looking at doing your own film have you started that is that something you're, you're going to be doing it's it's been a project i've been working on for a few years now um and it's been sculpted and thrown away and re-sculpted and thrown away and this and that and this and it's it's been going on forever and it's all been building up to a kickstarter to try to get funding um to make a like 12 minute short film of a 1930s jungle adventure <laughs> And I just think it's the coolest thing ever because how do you make a jungle adventure that's a period movie in Colorado? Well, it's super easy. I can show you. Yeah. And, um, and like just talking about the story, it's super exciting. 
and I've been writing it and I'm, <clears throat> and since I've been here, there's just a, a great group of people um, and friends who are like, yeah, let's do this. This is super easy. We could do this. And um, since the Grunkle video, you know, now I have a YouTube channel that wasn't a thing before. And now I have a YouTube channel and an audience who like wants to see me make stuff. So the, the, you know, and, and the, the little short like music video things that I've done so far are I spend a bunch of time, I make a short and I just post the short on YouTube and I'm not really showing what I do. Right. I show a little bit, but not a whole lot, not the amount of work that goes into it. So my plan is now is to just document the entire process. Writing the script is its own video, you know, storyboarding is a video. And I show people the entire process of just getting to a Kickstarter, right? Hmm. And then I document the process of doing the Kickstarter and then making the short film and building a set and working with a puppets and working with a company. And, and then once it's done, figuring out how to release it. And I, and I, and I want to have a premiere where everything I've built is there and you're walking into an environment just like at the, at the conventions or at the art shows, right? You're walking into the, everything I've made and then you get to see the final video product, whether, whether or not it's good, you know, it's, it's something I've made. That's, that's a hundred percent, just something out of my brain and then you get to see it. Um, but um, I've been working on that a lot. And then I've been lucky enough to get um, some more, creatives who want me to do like the grunkle thing right they want have they asked you have they asked you to make another hundred grunkle stands <laughs> yeah right no i'm working on this i just started this new project with this uh really talented uh, artist meat canyon on youtube who does these really great animations and and satire kind of goofy things and he's i mean he's created his own show i mean i mean it's it seems like it's the same situation. Like he does these things and characters, caricatures of, of famous people or, or, or TV shows and things. And um, this new show is his own original idea, his own original concept, which I love. I mean, that's the coolest thing ever. That's what I want is more original stuff. Mm. And um, you know, he's released two episodes, the third episodes coming and he has this whole season planned out for this year. And he, he's working with me on creating a, a, like a grunkle version, a hyper-realistic version of this character um, of a show. Um, there's something so. in it. I'll tell you what, there's, there's something in it when you see a cartoon character and then you turn him into a, a, a real person with real hair and real eyes. There's something quite, it's pretty cool, yeah. isn't it? Because you can see a cartoon, you know, there's some famous cartoons, Scooby-Doo and things like that. But to actually see the character... And and the pores on their face and the 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 the, the blood vessels. There's something quite. It's it's yeah. real strange, but it's fantastic, isn't it? It brings yeah. the character so much to life. I mean, you could see when Alex was looking at him, he was blown away because the eye, like you say, the eyes are realistic. It's like wow, this is a, a yeah. real person. Yeah, and there's a lot of. I mean, there's a there's a ton of artists out there who create realistic versions of cartoon characters. Mm. It's just a thing, but I do it because. I want to see a film of that character. I mean, I remember when the first Scoop live action Scooby-Doo movie was coming out. I was freaking out when I was a kid. I was so excited for that because I was like, whoa. (laughs) You know, I love cartoon movies, but I love live action stuff. So 
seeing a cartoon character brought to life is like the is like the coolest thing yeah. ever. Um, and like this sculpture um, for Meat Cannon is actually turning into like a scene if it was a live action movie. Mm. And then I was telling I was telling a friend I was like I'm kind of thinking of this concept like he's doing this and there's a thing and it's reacting to him. And like, if you place it right, it looks like, and like take a photo, it's like a scene from a movie of this TV show. And then they were like, well, you could easily like move this around and film it and film that. And then make like a four, like like a minute long segment that could look like it's a, like from a movie. Yeah. And I was like, that's really cool. So, so. I mean, all this stuff, like Grunkle, like if they made a live action Gravity Falls movie, that's what I would want to see Grunkle as, you know? Yeah. And I would want to see it, you know, like moving and talking and blinking. But all I could do right now is a sculpture. You know, that's all I can afford. That's all I could do by myself. Surely you've sold that for a ton of money. Come on. Yeah, right? Too right. You didn't didn't (laughs) sell it to Alex, did you? I bet he wanted to buy it, didn't he? Oh, I mean, that's his. That's his now. I don't have it. Oh, you should have kept hold of it. You should have kept hold of it. You'd have made a fortune. I'm the, I'm the least fan of my own stuff. As soon as I, <laughs> I don't want to look at it. I hate it. I see everything wrong with it. It's, be, it's because, I suppose, the, the beauty for you is in the making. When yeah. it's finished, you're sick of it. I mean, I'm currently, I've just finished my first uh, feature film. And I am sick to death. I've edited it for yeah. a year and a half, and I know every single frame. And I am sick to. D- I just want to give it away. Take it, take it. I can't take anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sucks. I hate it, and everything you know. But that's what's nice is every single project I got is going to be better than that last one because that last one was terrible. It's going to be better. <laughs> And then I'm going to do it. I'm going to go, this is awful. This is awful. But the next <laughs> one will be better. And that's how you get better, right? But I, yeah. I don't have any of my stuff on display. I hate everything. I mean, the only thing I have that I, I enjoy looking at is, is Puglu from my, mm. my thing. But that's because that's like a little love letter to my dog, Buster. Yeah. And I just that puppet, for some reason, I'm, I'm really proud of that puppet. It turned out really well. I mean, I sculpted it. And even the sculpture looks like garbage. But for some reason, when it was in foam and it was compressed and shrunk, you know, when it was cast and how it was painted, just looks really cool. Something about it. I mean, I couldn't recreate that thing in a million years. Um, yeah. I could tell you love that because it's everywhere. Do you sell those? Do you make those? Are they recreated and you sell them? Um, Justin Ishmael um, from, I think it's Ish Designs or something. Um, he sells the Puglu toys. Um, and those are available on my website and on his website and Instagram and stuff. But cool. yeah, that was one of those things where it was like, I just did this as a joke. It's a music video. I listened to a song. I was like, yeah, I like this song. This is kind of what I'm picturing. I'm practicing how to become a filmmaker. I was like, I'll do a music video, this song. I did the music video. I was just posting photos of the entire process. And for some reason, people just responded really well to that character and yeah. started following along. I wanted to see it finished and then I did the show where I had everything I made for it there it is on a tv I press play it's a minute and a half of garbage and I'm embarrassed and it's, it's like <laughs> everyone here to see a minute and it's the stupidest thing ever but people just responded to that thing enough so someone wanted to make a toy of it you know yeah. 
it's crazy but just another example of creating your own artwork is the most important thing and whether or not you're confident enough that is what's i mean that's why you're here is to create your thing i mean helping other people make stuff is important yeah but i think that should be going along with you creating your own thing um and i think a lot of people lose that and they just go well it's a lot easier to just do the eight to five i'm tired afterwards Mm -hmm. i just need that paycheck you know yeah yeah and then you're just there's something missing there you're not it's because it's not you're you're not doing you yeah when you look when you look back you think "Mm, i wish i wish but every everybody's different now i'll put links in the podcast notes to your website and everything but it's like you said before and which i think is brilliant your patreon page is fantastic because for me if i wanted to be a sculptor i think it's fantastic that you can just pay you know small amounts a month and connect directly with you ask questions whatever questions you want i think that is far better than any college 10 grand a year college or whatever <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i think so it's great it is I mate so. i mean i got 10 i got 10 people so far you know it's like my mom and my friends but that's okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey if they all want it that's it and, and the thing yeah. is if you get one person that it makes a difference to and starts a career yeah. then yeah. that's that's a start isn't it because that's what I would have wanted when, you know, I would have loved that mentoring for what I wanted to do. Yeah. So, you know. And, and, you know, I, I just started it, you know, two days ago. But um, I think documenting the process of, like, I want to have it, the entire process of, of, of making this thing for uh, Meat Canyon is going to be on Patreon, along with YouTube. But if you want to be like, well, what are these tools you're using? What are these materials you're using? That's going to be on there. And then also in there is the entire, all the videos of me working on this this jungle adventure short film, or or working on you know making these little pumpkin guys that I try to sell to make money right. And it's just this is like a blog of what I do, and if I I feel like with enough videos on YouTube and it being consistent enough on Patreon. I feel like a lot of people might be interested in seeing that. Definitely. And even like, even if it's not until the jungle adventures done in two years and everyone's like, Whoa, how'd you do that? These are crazy puppets. I'll go. It's literally, there's, you know, 120 hours of it on my Patreon. You can go <laughs> watch it for $4 and then cancel right after, you know, but, um, that's good. good I think it's, it's too much stuff to just throw up on YouTube for yeah. free yeah um, and you know like i'm broke i'm trying to figure out how to make this a living you know and i tried the make products to sell but that is so much work for just one thing you know i gotta i'm trying to figure out how to make money yeah. by just doing just making things like doing what i do yeah. but even just i mean i've been i've been spending a ton of money just making gear to hold cell phones <laughs> you know, bendy arms and like and rigs and lights and just yeah. trying to set up. And then freaking editing videos is a nightmare. Yeah. It's like every other day to have three minutes up 
you know. I tell you what, you know when you've made it when you can pay someone to edit your videos. That's right? when you know. That's when yeah. you know you've made it. <laughs> oh, so nice. My daughter's twelve, and I'm seriously thinking about asking <laughs> a teacher and just pay her, pay her ten pound a week or something. Oh man, <laughs> I, I wish I had that. Man, man. well, look, yeah. if if um, so, Adam, if you were to give advice to someone coming up maybe wants to get into sculpturing or animation or something like that what sort of advice do you think you could give them um i feel like i gave a lot of good advice already or bad advice i don't know good advice. but i mean just uh you know were you given any good advice yeah a ton i don't remember it though <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh I don't know. I mean, I still feel like I give people advice on how much to charge for stuff. I'm always seeking advice because I'm always undercharging. I feel like every single person I've ever talked to devalues themselves and thinks they aren't worth what they're actually worth. I'm totally in that same thing. Yeah. I, it's And it's really easy for me to go, no, you're an amazing artist. You need to be charging this much. You're way more valued than that. But then when someone comes to me, I'm like, well, I really want this job. And, you know, all right, I can do it for this much because, you know, and and it's because I'm still struggling and it's because I'm broke. And, you know, even having a video like Grunkle that's gone, you know, viral or whatever, um, I still think my stuff sucks. And... and <laughs> You've and got I, imposter syndrome, haven't you? You've got imposter syndrome. <laughs> Trust and me. I'm still, you know, Trust me. You're at it. Bear in mind, I've got Baby Yoda back here. <laughs> your <yeah>. stuff, your <laughs> stuff does not suck. Um, and I think, but I, I do understand that you get that from a lot of, especially creatives. It's so difficult to, because it's a struggle. It's a struggle, isn't it? It's not easy. Yeah. But I and think it's the reason why we all we all do the day job, or we yeah. we're scared to try to start this thing because we think we're too old. I mean, I did a I did a podcast with Chet Zar, and I never knew he he just started he started painting when he was thirty. That blows my mind because yeah. that guy's amazing, and I, I I'm just going, how have you not done that before? But I mean, I'm I'm coming up on thirty one soon, which is the worst thing ever for me because every year. I just, I just reflect on what I have not done yet that I wanted to do by the time I was this age. Yeah. And I think, I, think, I think you have to be patient and you have to think the older you get, the more experience you've got. So you've got to remember that because I don't think you should be not saying how old I am, but I definitely don't <laughs> think you should beat yourself up. I think, patience is key you know you see these young kids and you think would you want to be young again and yeah I'd, I'd like to be young again so i've got more time but would i want that mindset and i, I quite like getting older and having that experience and knowing where you're going and yeah being yeah. a bit being a bit more confident so i think you're in a brilliant place and, and when i say about advice and you couldn't think of any i think the biggest thing for you is the fact you've just stuck to your guns and, and you're sticking to what you want to do, which is a brilliant thing because you could have easily gone a different route and now be doing a job that you don't really enjoy, but you're making money. Um, and you, you've gone down the route of you, you're passionate, 
you want to enjoy yourself, you want to be happy, and you want to create what you want to create. And I think that is a brilliant bit of advice because when you look back, you're going to think, and the, and the thing is when you do that is if you do something you want to do, if it goes wrong, fuck it. At least yeah. you did what you wanted to do. Imagine if yeah. you do, if you live your life for 60 years, do something you don't want to do and it still ends up shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And that's what, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about it is I, I saw my dad work f- underneath someone for his whole life. And then he, and then he branched out to try his own thing and he, he, he tried once and it failed and he had to go back to that. Um, and you know, I, I grew up thinking that was a bad thing. That was a bad thing that he tried to do and he failed and he put the family in a bad position because of that. But as I'm getting older, I'm going, no, he tried a thing. He yeah. tried it. He failed, but he tried it. Yeah. And he just went back to the, back to the same thing, you know? And, and I just, I, you know, so that's why I'm, I'm just all about just trying your new, your thing. And worst case scenario, you know, when I'm 60 and I, I'm still broke and, and, you know, living in my mom's basement or something, I could just be like, all right, I'll just go sculpt for the uh, another Star Wars TV show. The next, the next yeah. Jurassic Jurassic Park twenty. Yeah, right? <laughs> this will be the ones where the dinosaurs have the lasers on their heads. Yeah, uh, build a dinosaur. Whatever. Fucking yeah. get put out. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, nothing's worse than 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 having an idea and not bringing it to fruition and and creating. Yeah. You know, it's so frustrating for me, at least it's, it's like, I can't sleep at night because there's this stuff and I'm like, Oh, I need money. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta make it. (laughs) I do feel your pain. I really do. Um, Now I always ask my guests for a favorite. It can be a film or a book, just something they enjoy and it's accessible to everybody. Do you, do you have one, um, Adam? A favorite? Just anything? any anything i'd be interested have you got a favorite because obviously what you do animation or some kind of film that that you really enjoyed and thought wow i mean the creature from the black lagoon is my favorite movie in the yeah. world that's it's, I mean, that. it's as far back as i could there's there's like photos of me as a little like a little infant with like creature stuff. So it's literally, I can't remember a time when I wasn't obsessed with that one monster. Um, and just the design of how he looks, you know? So if anyone hasn't seen that movie, you should probably go see that movie. It's a great movie. I haven't seen it for years, but yeah. yeah. That design still holds up. Can't be, can't be beat. It's the most interesting thing. It's pretty um, special. Yeah. Cool. But, yeah, I don't know. That's probably my favorite just movie thing. Cool. Yeah. Well, look, Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, yeah, thank, thank you. Thank, thanks so much for connecting. Make sure you stay in touch, and, and when you get your film out, come come back on. Um, of course, yeah. Just just stay with it, man. Just just keep going. Keep pushing. You do too. Not, <laughs> do, do, oh, no, yeah. Um, You're going to get that fence post in there. You'll do it. Yes. Well, I will after another beer. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll put links and everything to all your social media in the podcast uh, links anyway. Um, And yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. You look after yourself, Adam. 
Thank you, Lee. You too. Okay. So that's it. Massive thanks again to Adam again for joining me today and also to you for listening or watching if you're on YouTube. Make sure you follow the podcast because coming over the month, next month, next few months are even some more extraordinary interviews. I'm not going to let you down. Uh, the podcast streams on all usual platforms, iTunes, Spotify. Please leave a rating and subscribe on there. Also on YouTube. It makes a big difference. My way of thinking is on Instagram is my what podcast and on Twitter is my way of thinking with a three on the end instead of a G. <sighs> and finally, if you want to get in touch, I forgot about that bit. If you want to get in touch, then you can email me. You might want to be a great guest. You might know someone who's going to be a great guest. Uh, just email me. It's my what podcast at AOL.com. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, God bless. <laughs>